When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Howdy y'all, you've made it back to another episode of Basically Famous. We are so glad you're here. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Basically Famous Podcast. Now, here's your host, Tyler. Welcome everyone to Basically Famous. You're probably wondering who this is. And this is Donna Schuster, mother of the famous the basically famous Tyler Schuster. And for those in the 15 to 26 category, you may know me as Big D, but I am just so excited to host this week's podcast and the basically famous season three, episode one podcast. And um, we really have a basically famous guest this week with Tyler. And I want to give you a little background about Tyler. And um, I just wanted to, you to know, like, I should have known about Tyler, like, starting at age three, she could rock the Barbie high heels on the Sautio tile, like no one's business. But, you know, I was just busy with life and I didn't really think much about it. And at age four, she discovered lipstick. And so she would, I would send her to Sunday school and she looked like rough night in Vegas, but, you know, still didn't really think I should be afraid, but I just sent her that way. And I don't know what her Sunday school teacher thought. We could ask Misty about that. And at age five, literally sent her to kindergarten and every day I was like, please let me brush your hair. And she wouldn't let me. But I would say, could you tell your teacher I at least wanted to brush your hair and you wouldn't let me. So Tyler has always been larger than life. And I was recently reminded that in fourth grade, she <laughs> got her teacher fired. But I won't elaborate on that any, and if I tell any more stories, she will cut them in editing. <laughs> and so with that being said, I I just, we're really proud of Tyler and um, she really has her priorities straight. I mean, she loves God and she loves her friends and she loves agriculture and anything that she's passionate about. She really dives in wholeheartedly. And so for those of us in production ag agriculture, we're, we're really lucky to have her because we would rather be on our horse at daylight every morning than to be out there um, spreading the word about agriculture and why that, you know, we need people to eat beef every day. And so we're lucky to have her. But I just want her to tell her story about how she discovered, because you know, I bought her a mule to ride when I when she was learning to ride, uh, just to tell you how hard-headed she is. And when I bought my other kids' horses to ride, um, and 
and I think, you know, it was like, hey, Tyler, you, you know, like I did my other kids, you've got to get up and you've got to help me. And so it was just um, for a while there, it was like, you have to, you know, be a part of agriculture, not because you wanted to, but because more of a job. And I, I know that in high school, she learned that you don't have to be part of production agriculture to still be in agriculture. And so um, I think that I want her to tell you, introduce herself and to tell you how she discovered that passion for agriculture in that way in her life. Yes. So when I was figuring out who I, I wanted to be the first episode, we've never interviewed me on the podcast. And I kept telling my mom, like, yeah, I got to find someone to do it, hoping she'd say, I'll do it. And she's like, well, what about so-and-so? And what about so-and-so? And then finally she said, well, I guess I could do it. And so she's been thinking long and hard about the podcast and what we were going to talk about. But for me, I mean, like you said, it was not a choice to get to be involved in agriculture. We woke up every day involved in it and we showed livestock and we rodeoed and we helped my mom on the ranch. And then in high school, I took an animal science class with Coach Heed, he was on season two, and he was like, you know, Tyler, there's so much more to agriculture than raising livestock, and I was like, oh, like, tell me more, and he kind of got to tell me about lobbying and, you know, working for agriculture in the policy realm of things, and I was like, you know, that really sounds interesting to me, and then from there, I toured schools. My mom's biggest advice was to tour any school that I thought I might want to go to, so we toured a lot, like six or seven. And at Tarleton, I got to sit down with Dr. Tarpley and, you know, he was telling me what had you been in? What are your interests? And he kind of described my degree at Tarleton Ag Services and Development as like a catch-all degree. You know, I was going to get a little bit of marketing, a little bit of ag business, a little bit of ag communications, and then 4-H and FFA. And so that's kind of, you know, I get to Tarleton, I get away from the ranch and I realize not everyone's grown up like this. And I also didn't know that everyone's mom didn't run the ranch. You know, when you tell people my mom runs the ranch, they're like, no, you mean your dad. And you're like, no, my mom. And so I kind of realized I grew up in a really unique situation where I came from a women run operation. My grandma, you know, manages the finances. My mom does the day to day. And then my mom manages her personal operation and books. And so I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. And kind of just discover this whole word of advocacy. I'd never really been told before that I could go out and talk about agriculture to other people and not have to live on the ranch day to day. And so that's really kind of where I got rooted in. Okay, I'm going to stay in agriculture. I would love to work for an association or something of that manner. And when it was time to graduate, I didn't want to be an adult. And so I was like, I'm going to go to graduate school. And I had a professor encourage me to look at the Bush School at A&M. And I think the Bush School was the hardest and most grueling two years of my life. Um, but I woke up and went to school every day with people who didn't eat beef and people who didn't understand agriculture. In my graduating class, I think there was 110 of us. Two of us had agriculture undergraduate degrees. Um, and so every day I was having conversation with people who didn't think like me, didn't grow up like me. And I think that is so important because now I can relate to a whole different demographic of people 
my whole life, I had just grown up with people and hung out with people like me. Even my friends who aren't in agriculture that I went to elementary school with, they grew up in Brackettville. It's a rural community. They appreciate this way of life. And at the Bush School, that wasn't the case. And then I was fortunate enough to get an internship with cattle raisers in Fort Worth and then stay on their team and now work full time. And so really in like 11th grade, I was like, okay, I could do something in agriculture and I don't have to move back to Brackettville. I don't have to live on the ranch. And I would say now though, I like living in the city for the stage of life I'm in, but long-term I wanna get back on a ranch and live in the country. Well, um, I mean, you have a new appreciation for agriculture and um, even though like you're talking about your elementary friends, uh, they, they don't, I mean, they understood your way of life, but you still had to help them order their steak every time y'all y'all went out to eat. That's so, true. <laughs> so they they grew up and, and you know you'd you'd say oh like it looks like your ranch is on fire. There's smoke that way, and you're like oh my mom she likes a good burn, so you know don't be alarmed. So they they grew up even though it's a rural community here. They grew up way different than you did. Mm -hmm. Um, because they grew up in town and and so it was a, you know totally different even though it was a small town your friends growing up or and even now y'all are still close it's it's just so different than and their jobs are are so different, different. than y'all are but you're but you're still close and um you're uh real active at Tarleton and and in lots of different organizations and you want to talk a little bit about that Sure. So when I went to Tarleton, it's about 300 miles from Brackett. And so like I knew I wasn't coming home. That really wasn't an option for the weekend. And so I was like, well, I, I better get in one organization to just, you know, meet some people, find some friends. And I joined ACT, which is the Ag Communicators of Tomorrow. And from there, by the end of it, I was in nine organizations. And after my first semester, I learned about Student Government Association, and I was like, okay, I am the most well-known freshman in the College of Ag, and I have no idea who represents me in student government, you know, and that's the people who are voting to implement change on campus, and I was like, I think I'm going to run, like, people will vote for me, I'll run, no big deal, so I ran just to be a congressperson, um, which would allow me to write legislation, pass it, and implement change university-wide, didn't just affect the College of Ag. And then at the first meeting, I got nominated to be the secretary. Like three weeks in, our pro temp left, so I moved up into the pro temp role, and I ran our meetings for a year. And then that Christmas break, I came home and I told my parents, like, I really want to run for student body president. I just think I could, you know, do a lot for students at Tarleton and the College of Ag. And I truly believe, I mean, all colleges at Charlton are great, but the College of Ag is the best. I mean, I'm obviously partial to it, but uh, my parents are like, sure, if you want to run, we'll give you some money. You can get some t-shirts and some stickers made. And I ran for student body president. What a lot of people don't know is nobody ran against me. So, I mean, unless- They were afraid of you. Exactly. They knew they didn't have a chance. So unless nobody voted for me, I was going to win. So <laughs> I ended up winning- um, and I'm in Barcelona after studying abroad and I get a call that 
like my vice president didn't make grades and I've got to find someone new. And there's quite a few stipulations to who can be. And I end up calling this girl out of the blue and I'm like, hey, want to be my vice president? She says yes. And so from there, I mean, so many things happened in Tarleton that year. We hired a new president. I was on the search committee for him. He and his wife and I are still very close. I go back pretty often. We, you know, signed paperwork to join the Western Athletic Conference to become a Division One institution. Um, and then COVID happened and I moved home and I'm, you know, running an organization that affects all 14,000 students at the time from the public library in Brackettville because <laughs> my parents don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> and- Talk about living in rural America. And um, I just met the best people at Tarleton. I mean, so many of my guests on here have been graduates or people I met while at Tarleton. And I had so many opportunities and people who still support me. I still support them. I'm still friends with almost all of my professors and wouldn't ever hesitate to pick up the phone, call them, text them and, and ask them for something. And they know they could do the same with me. But I truly attribute, you know, where I ended up to Tarleton because it gave me the foundation I needed to be successful where I'm at. Well, I'm glad that that was, you knew it was the right choice for you and and you never doubted that. So that's great. So tell us why you started the podcast. I think the listeners are dying to know where basically famous came from. So the name came from during the snowstorm, about 10 people lived with my sister and I, because we lived in a block that was with the fire station. So our power never went out. And so that Friday rolled around and we were all pretty stir crazy. So we decided to go to Northgate and we're at Northgate and we've closed the bar down. And uh, this guy comes up to me, starts talking to me. I knew him from, he went to Charlton for a year and that's how I knew him. And some of those, oh my God, everybody knows you. And I said, I know I'm basically famous. <laughs> And it just stuck and started telling people I was basically famous. And when I decided to start a podcast, there was no doubt that's what I wanted to be because there's so many people in my life who they're not famous like Kim Kardashian, but they're basically famous to me. And so I wanted to sit down and have conversations with them. And so the first two seasons I hosted with my sister and we talked to all kinds of people, all walks of life. Um, But I knew deep down, I really wanted this to be a podcast about women in agriculture. Um, That's just where my passion is. And I think more and more women have realized their role on the ranch is more than to be a mom and a a homekeeper. And And a bookkeeper. Yes. And that they can go out and they can work cattle and they can haul cattle or whatever it is your family does. And so um, rebranded, kind of relaunching, this is the first episode and really focused on women in ag. And so this season, I'm going to get to talk to women who work in policy, direct to consumer beef sales, ag education, extension agents, marketing and communications, and just really people that I've gotten to know and gotten acquainted with through everything I've done. And so I'm excited to sit down and dream big. I obviously have some goal lists of people I want to talk to and things like that, but This is just kind of, I tell people, this is my passion project. This is what I do for fun. And, you know, most people don't spend hours 
preparing a podcast, editing it, and uploading it in it for fun, but that's what I choose to do for fun. Well, and I think people don't realize that they just think, okay, it's a 30 minute podcast. So it only takes 30 minutes. Like you sit down and you record for 30 minutes and that's all it takes. They don't realize that you prep, you come up with questions. Um, you know, you think about it long and hard about what you're going to ask your guest, and then you have to edit in between, um, you know, because not everything, there's some, you know, giggles in between or, or some, are your washers going or, you know, like, no, you know so. I mean, I tell people, I never want anyone to be nervous on the podcast. One, no one's ever going to see you unless we choose to upload anything on social media, but, um, I can edit out anything, you know, and so I've had to edit out, oh, I said my previous employer, could you delete that? Yep, no big deal. So then you go back and you edit it. But I just want it to be fun, a casual conversation. I do prepare questions because I think it's important to guide the conversation. But if the conversation falls away from the questions I wrote, I'm, that's my whole life. So just don't worry about it. <laughs> it could be a TV show. My my life could be a TV show. So. Well, I think that your listeners get something out of every episode. I've listened to all of them. Um, I will say the one with Shelby talking about football was kind of a foreign language to me. But other than that, I mean, I've really gotten something out of every episode. And I enjoy listening to them while I pedal. I, I wish that they came out a little earlier in the morning. You know, For season three, I'm going to make that happen for you. About 4.30 in the morning is a better time for me. But if not, I listen to them whenever they come out. So I appreciate them. Um, well, getting back focused. So if you had some advice for your younger self, what would it be? I would say just continue to go for it. I don't think I've ever backed down from a challenge and truly just embrace everything with what came with it, whether that was good or bad and, and a little red lipstick and a little red <laughs> lipstick never hurt anybody. <laughs> and I think it's good for your confidence, but I would also, you know, so many things in my life never go according to plan. And if I got angry about everything that didn't work out correctly, well, I would just be one angry person all the time, you know, and I'm an Enneagram seven, if you're familiar with the Enneagram. And so I'm all about a good adventure and just everything in my life's an adventure, good or bad, it's an adventure. And I'm going to laugh about it and move on. And Well, I always say uh, when your kids grow up on a ranch, you're more flexible about things not working out, you know, how they're supposed to, because plan A, like rarely works out like you think it's going to. We're usually down in the alphabet, (laughs) you know, we're kind of like D, E, F, sometimes really the F word (laughs) before things work out like (laughs) how they work out. So uh, I do think you learn about flexibility when you're working livestock or today plumbing, you know, after several days. And I think my flexibility is one of my greatest assets I bring to any team that I work on um, because I am so willing and able to adapt. I think because, you know, I just everything in your life also never goes according to plan. And so I'm just used to that. And, you know, nothing is, yeah, I might get angry for five or 10 minutes, but in the long run, it just is what it is. And we're going to move on. Yeah. Well, and Ty, you're always willing to jump in and help. You're a great leader. Um, Those are some of your assets. I always say like, when I have a catering job, you can see what needs to be done and just jump in. I don't have to tell you like, okay, go do this, go do that. I mean, you can see it. Uh, Not everybody has that quality. 
and and that's really a great asset to have and so I know you know that's great when you're a team player so anyway um well what inspires you to get out of bed every day because I know that alarm goes off several times <laughs> you hit snooze when, when you're here I don't know about when you uh, every day <laughs> 2023, one of my goals is to get up on my first alarm better. I do not like having to get up on my first alarm. But I think, you know, not, you know, people say like, oh, if you enjoy what you do, you don't have to work in your day in life. Well, that's bullshit. Like, <laughs> you're going to have to work. And you're not going to get out of bed every day and want to go to the office and do what you have to do. But I think, you know, when you enjoy what you do and who you work for, it makes it a lot easier to get out of bed. And a paycheck doesn't hurt. But I think what inspires me is knowing that there's a whole group of people out there who don't understand what I do. And the thing that I came from, you know, ranching and that background, and that I have the opportunity every day to get up and educate them or educate someone who's eventually going to talk to them. I think people don't realize in advocating for agriculture, the most important conversations you have or the person next to you not to a room of 5,000 people you know it's the person you sit next to at the airport or on the plane or the person you bump into at the cash register at Starbucks and you strike up a conversation I often wear a sweater that says eat beef and it strikes up a lot of conversations and you know the stickers on my computer say red meat and red lipstick and eat beef and so Things like that have allowed me to have conversations with people who just have no idea. And that makes a lasting impact because people like-minded, they already know. They already support agriculture. They're already eating beef or, you know, poultry, pork, whatever your product is. And it's the people who aren't, who don't realize what we do and how much goes into it. And so I think that inspires me that every single day when my feet hit the floor. I hope the devil says, oh crap. But then <laughs> oh, sure does. But then that, you know, I I could change someone's life or uh, provide more education for them. Well, I feel like at Starbucks, you could really do some good because they have their own language there. And, you know, maybe someday I'll learn at least three words of it. (laughs) Every time I I send her to order, she's like, um, you need to text me exactly what to say there. Cause I don't know the language of Starbucks. So I'm sure some of your older crowd listeners will appreciate my comment on that. Yes. So anyways, what is something that you live by? Well, I think I live by people are going to talk about you. You might as well give them something to talk about, (laughs) you know? And so they're going to talk about what you wear. So wear whatever you want. Now, I don't condone wearing booty shorts and a crop top. But <laughs> if you want to wear your wild rag and your 17 necklaces. Navajo pearls. Yeah, wear them. <laughs> I wear them. And if you want to wear your cowboy hat to a wedding, wear your cowboy hat to a wedding. Wear a good one, though. That is a pet peeve of mine, a good cowboy hat. But those that's something that just, I mean, I just don't really care what people say about me because that's their opinion. And. It doesn't bother me. And I also would say in 2022, I gave up really caring about if my clothes were too tight. I started buying clothes that fit. Like I was holding on to some pants and I was like, I've had these since high school. They don't fit. Why am I keeping these? You know, like, let me just donate them and go buy some jeans that fit. And nobody can see what size pants I wear and nobody knows but me. So 
buy clothes that fit. Nobody knows what size you're buying, but you and the cashier, and she's not going to remember. That's right. Or if you order online, literally nobody's going to know. Well, self-confidence has always been a strong, one of your strong attributes. So. Yes. And and that's great. Everybody needs to have more self-confidence. Oh. So. They're going to talk about you. Might as well look good right. while they do it. Wear that turquoise hat. Yep. So. Okay. Well, we're kind of nearing the end of the podcast. And you know what that means. We're down to the billboard question. So if you had a billboard, what would be on it and why? So I think in terms of my personal life, if I had a billboard, um, it would be a black and white photo. I love a good black and white photo of um, people gathering cattle, horseback, and then it would say eat beef in big white letters. And then if it were for the podcast, I think, you know, I would have the basically famous logo and you know, streaming now, something along those lines to educate people to go listen to my podcast. But personally, I I think a good black and white billboard with eat beef in white letters is what I would say. Well, do you want to give the listeners like any sneak peek on episode three of the podcast, what's to come or what your goals are? I know you talked a little bit about some of the people, not not specific people, but some of the things coming up. I mean, I know that was probably supposed to be the wrap up, but I think we have a few minutes left. Yeah. No, I think season three, we're going to get to talk about the industry itself in multiple facets. So we're going to talk to someone who works as a lobbyist. We're going to talk to someone who um, works for a direct-to-consumer beef sales Um, And so we're going to talk in that episode a lot about, you know, so you raise your own cattle, you want to harvest them and sell the meat yourself. What does that look like? What does that entail? Um, We're going to talk to someone who works for Twisted X and Black Star Boots and then also has a photography business. Um, We're going to talk to some people who work in ag education through AgriLife Extension, but also an organization called Texas Farm Bureau. And um, we have some other people on the list who also work kind of in similar roles as me and someone who works in sales. And so selling for one of the oldest publications in Texas, the Cattleman Magazine, and then all advertisements for Texas and Southwestern cattle raisers. And so I think we're going to give people a great sneak peek at what it could look like to be involved in agriculture off the ranch. Um, and then also talk to some producers who do live on the ranch and live this day to day. So that's what I'm hoping. Obviously, you know, have number goals and how many subscribers I want and things like that. But the goal, I think, is just to have fun. And I don't want to produce so many episodes that get burnt out. So I'm going to try to keep it 10 to 12 episodes. And then like last year, I'll take the whole summer off and we'll start producing season four and the end of September. So well, that's that sounds good. We know March is always with convention is busy month for you. So you're trying to get yeah. as much done, you know, before then as you can. I am. So I'm trying to pre-record all my episodes. I don't ever record anything live. Um, so that way I can edit it. But in the next three days, I have seven episodes I'm recording so that I have seven weeks of content. And then I really, my goal right now is by the end of January to have season three done because um, through work, we put on a convention that 3,500 people attend and I coordinate um, 
quite a few things and just everything with that is super encompassing. And so the whole month of March, I'm really focused on that. And so I know I don't have as much time. And luckily, one of my friends works in marketing. She got me set up where I can pre-schedule my content on my social media accounts and um, things like that. And so that's, I'm trying to ease the load because, you know, last season it was like, I'm editing it Monday night to go out Tuesday morning. And then there's still an issue with it. And I don't listen to it till I get to work. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, 30 people could have listened to this and that happened, but no one's ever complained about any editing issues. <laughs> well, that's good. You don't want to know. Exactly. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I think this is another great episode. So we appreciate everybody joining us for Basically Famous. And if you're complaining, don't send it in. Only send the good comments. Bye, y'all.